Hi there, food enthusiasts. My name is Chris Rajkowski, your host today for the Future Foodcast, where we talk with thought leaders in today's food industry and discuss the trends and technologies that are shaping the future of food. Very, very happy today to be speaking with Mariana Moscove, Senior Project Leader at Ingredient. Welcome to the program today. Thank you very much, Chris. I'm very happy to be here. Thank you for the invitation. Excellent. Well, I suspect that a lot of our audience doesn't no ingredient possibly very well. As you and I were discussing before the show, There's, it's one of these companies that all of us are using your products and your technology, but most of us don't really know it because it's a bit behind the scenes. And we're going to dive into that. But before we do, let's uh, maybe educate our audience a little bit more on you. And where did you come from before you were working in Ingredient? What brought you up to working at Ingredient? Yes, definitely. And uh, my, my background is food science. I've been uh, passionate about food science and food products, like probably all of our listeners and uh, lots of people on the market. My dream was to become an engineer in a chocolate plant at one point. Um, and that was my, my dream as a kid. And I studied food science in uh, Romania I came to Canada back in 2003, my apologies. Uh, so 18 years ago, uh, my passion for food industry took me earlier in, in my career to um, uh, be technical support for one of the flavor houses. And this is how I discovered how interesting, challenging, and uh, how much I can learn as a food scientist in a technical support role. And my uh, previous workplaces also included a couple of workplaces in quality assurance, uh, food safety, but nothing as challenging as technical support. Uh, and back in 2013, I had the chance uh, to apply for a, a technical service role with Ingridion. Like you said, uh, Ingridion is not a name that uh, you will see billboards on the side of the road, but you can see trucks on the highways. If you pay attention, you will see the trucks with Ingridion logo. We are the name of uh, the trusted supplier behind lots of uh, very well-known names. We are a, a trusted uh, food ingredient supplier, innovator on the market. We have been on the market for a very long time in Canada. We actually, we've been here uh, since 1858 with our manufacturing location in Cardinal, Ontario. And we have a lot of um, innovation under our belt and we continue to innovate and supply the food industry and not only with multiple interesting and innovating uh, ingredients. Excellent. Well, it's great to see how you've uh, taken your passion all the way back from childhood to be in the food space and be working at a chocolate factory and really have extended that through your entire career. It's, um, it's a great place to be, especially I'm happy to see technologists like yourself who are growing up, you know, through the whole business space and, and really bringing this technology so that it's easy for the rest of us to be consuming great products um, without even knowing the big names that are behind it sometimes. Maybe, again, before we're going to talk a lot about the sustainability focus that Ingredient has and, and how you're supporting that. But again, just because this is a big company, a very important company in the space, but the name may be new to some, certainly the food professionals may know it, but those that are not necessarily in the food professional space, it's a bit new. And maybe just a very quick introduction to the, the types of ingredients, the type of services that you're providing really globally. Yes, definitely. And I, I can start with a little bit of a history for the ingredient name. So the ingredient name was coined back in 2012. 
when uh, Corn Products International has purchased national starch. So if you are a, a food scientist in the food industry, for sure you heard about national starch and the starches from national starch, of course, sweeteners from Corn Products International. So in 2012, Corn Products bought national starch and they um, came together under the same umbrella and the new name, uh, Ingridion. Throughout the years, uh, we had had the chance to partner and, and to buy other companies as well. And I will name only a few of them, GTC Nutrition, SPI Polyols, Penford, Kerr Concentrates on the west uh, side of, uh, of United States. I, I, I think I will stop the, the, list, uh, the list here. So several big names behind. And what these names and the innovation that they are bringing to the table allowed us to do, really go out on the market and to put all the pieces together for innovative packages. Um, and I, I will give you an example, for example, on the, on the sweetener side where everybody's looking for sugar reduction these days. Uh, the late, one of the latest acquisitions for Ingredient was uh, Pure Circle with an extremely innovative portfolio for stevia and stevia-based products. And this allowed us to go out on the market and work on different segments, being very active on sugar reduction in all the food industry segments and also do something else, something different. Uh, compared with anybody else on the market using components of the stevia leaf as natural stevia flavors and do a little bit of flavor modulation, do a little bit of change in the sweetness perception and also taste perception for different uh, products on the market. So I think that does give our audience a, a good perspective that really Ingredient is one of the companies that is behind many of our food products that we don't know, both from the ingredient side, but also in helping to create and formulate the food products that we're enjoying today. Along with that, we see that Ingredient has, and partly it's because of consumer de demand and partly because of the leadership of the company like yourself, a, a very strong focus on sustainability and bringing products that are sustainable, both environmentally, local production versus global production. And as a global company, you're dealing with all of these aspects. And maybe let's talk a bit about kind of the key initiatives that you're working with internally that contribute to sustainable and sustainable food systems. Definitely. And uh, sustainability, it, it's also one of my, my passions. And I have the chance to be the sustainab sustainability chair for Mississauga, Ontario office as well. So I can, I think I can, uh, we can talk about two different components here. One is the sustainable sourcing of ingredients that you were mentioning. And we are working very closely with growers uh, of different crops to make sure that they have the right uh, access to knowledge and they have also access to the right tools and resources to make every crop very sustainable. Uh, it's very important because if we are looking at a, a farmer's chance to do things different, they will probably only have 35 to 40 times the chance to do things different because everything, pretty much everything gets annual. So year after year, one farmer cannot do too much improvement. But if we are talking about the collective knowledge and how do we bring that and share it with the growers, we can make an impact. We have a full 
program dedicated for the agribusiness and um, the farmers that we are working very closely with. And um, additional component of this first uh, first thing that we were talking about, it's also the investment in the plant-based proteins. And I can talk a little bit more uh, about the investments that we've done in South Sioux City in U.S., and also Vanskoy in Canada to have the manufacturing locations for these plant-based products very close to the fields. So in the area where the pulses are grown, we have the manufacturing locations uh, taking those pulses and they are um, various uh, products like concentrates, isolates, and flowers. And this is one component. The second component is more of an internal component. And we are talking about the strong sustainability program that we have in place. And this program internally uh, talks about and addresses concerns internally based on the site as well. For example, we, we can have manufacturing locations uh, across the globe. They will be able to do different actions and to save on water, save on energy. They will be able to have a look at how do they efficiently run the plants and how do they make things better for tomorrow and the years, the years to come. Mm -hmm. But when we are in an office environment and we are in smaller locations, including uh, technical centers, we cannot really do much about the water consumption or electricity, things like that. And we are looking at how do we influence the behavior of our employees and how do we, us as employees, are going out on the, uh, in the communities that we live in and impact the lives of uh, the people in the community. And we have a very strong program in that area. I can give you a couple of examples for Ingridian Mississauga, the, the Canadian office. We were extremely, extremely uh, supportive of uh, Mississauga Food Bank, even during the pandemic. If not possible, if it wasn't possible with uh, donations of products, we sponsored Food Bank with money. And some of the donors, uh, they were matching certain amounts that were received in, in Mississauga Food Bank. So mm -hmm. this was one of the tools that we also, um, us as an office, uh, we gathered a team of volunteers and we went and planted uh, trees in the Mississauga initiative to plant 1 million trees by 2023. So we were part of that initiative in our community. Or we went and we uh, cooked meals in, uh, in one of the industrial kitchens around a local food bank in West Mississauga. And those meals were provided for the people in need. Parents with, uh, with kids, like divorced parents, especially because COVID unfortunately created, created a little bit more tension in the families. They saw a big, a big uh, impact on how many people went through divorces dur during, uh, during uh, COVID. So uh, this was one of the other action that, that we took. When we have uh, an additional stress like the pandemic, we tend to find new ways to help the community, but still help the community. And I think this this is very important because it's important to when you help other people you also teach everybody around you goes around mm -hmm. comes around right hopefully but, we become better communities and that's great to see it's you know sometimes corporations can get lost in their pnls and balance sheets and you know how to increase profits but uh and we certainly see small, medium-sized companies, you have very strong entrepreneurs that really direct individually the business and they may be able to pu push these sustainability, if you will, vision and mission through the company, but so encouraging to see Ingredium 
you know, having this concept and the reality of implementing implementing sustainable practices really going through so much of what's going on at the company. So it's great to see that. I wanted, you touched on a, a trend that uh, we've seen a lot, especially over the, the last years of plant-based proteins. Um, as a core, you know, sort of provider developer of ingredients, what are you seeing in the plant-based protein space as sort of new trends and that will be leading to new products that we might be seeing in the upcoming years? Yes, I think the, the trend is very, very well established already. And you, you can see how if you go to the grocery store, it's already established in the refrigerated aisles, alternative meat, alternative cheeses. Uh, it's pretty much alternative everything. And I think with the pandemic, consumers also are going towards fortified nutrition. What else is out there for nutrition? And they are they are getting more and more educated and they are reading labels. I know we talked about this uh, probably 10 years ago. If you went to a store, you didn't see people reading labels. These days you will see parents or um, different segments of the population. They will go and read labels. They want to see what, what is in there. Um, I think the plant-based protein, it's, it's a very strong uh, trend and it's here, uh, it's here to stay um, as well. The addition of plant-based proteins will definitely have an impact on the carbon footprint of everything that we bring to the manufacturing locations and to, to our family tables. And as a new product out there, at this point, I think the sky is the limit and every formulator, every R&D passionate, every food scientist is looking for what else can I formulate my product? How can I make my product either more nutritional or how can I make it more appealing for, mm. the, for the consumers. I think based on what, what I can see right now uh, on the market, locally grown products, um, almost like made in Canada, will be uh, uh, a trend uh, very soon. And I think it's important because this is how we can actually be so transparent about uh, sustainability and how, how do we make everything sustainable from the farm to the table. And uh, other than, than uh, plant-based proteins, isolates, and concentrates, I think having those ones in a different form, like extruded products to bring more concentrated nutrition to certain uh, food products, I think it's it's also a trend to, to be watched. Yeah, you, you brought up a number of trends there that um, I think we're hearing a lot about in, increasingly, both as professionals, but also in, in the consumer space where people, as you described, are looking for local production. It's funny how you said, you know, plant-based is becoming is these alternative plant-based products are everywhere. At some point, everywhere be, might start to become the standard. And we see plant-based proteins, for example, being much more standard in products than than they are today, and I, I, we certainly don't see a, a total replacement of meat. That is a, a strong consumer interest in in meat products out there, but a, a more of a blend that's adding to a, a broader sustainability of the food supply chain seems like it's in development. Would you expect that maybe five years from now, these products that are marketed as alternative proteins? might be marketed in other ways that uh, as consumers become more comfortable with them? From the marketing point of view, and you have to remember, I'm a food scientist, not a marketer. I do read the marketing uh, reports and I, I have a look at the marketing trends. I think in five years from now, we will see more and more 
production of products, including plant-based products. This Mm -hmm. is a repetition that I cannot get out of. For example, (laughs) a mix between the standard products that we have right now, almost like a flexiparian model. So Mm. Monday and Wednesday, I decide that I'm not going to eat meat. Those are flexitarian. They they are going in between the two two trends. Um, So more of a mixture. Let's say we have uh, somebody who's very, very strong in uh, in the dairy world, and they decide to add plant-based proteins, but not as a product alone as an addition to the existing products and make uh, a yogurt with added, let's say, extruded products from from plant-based proteins. So it's going to be an addition of the existing, uh, into the existing uh, products, something like that. In five years from now, I think it's a little bit too early. And honestly, if we are looking at the history of, of humankind, we've never went through two years and a half of pandemic, or if we went, we don't have any records, uh, strong records about it. It's going to be very interesting to see how the market is reacting to these two, two and a half years of isolation. And when everything will be back to a certain normality, what will be the marketing trends at that point? I think people Mm -hmm. will still look for nutrition. Uh, They are looking at what nutrition I will, I will bring and I will put on my family table. I think as a food scientist, we, one of the things that we have to take care of with pandemic or without pandemic is to educate the consumers, to translate our work from food science to consumers, to make sure that our consumers understand how much work goes behind a product that has been developed for the market and for for the shelves. So the nutrition component, it will stay in in five years, but it's very hard to say right now for 2027, what's going to happen. I I don't think anybody has the the global, uh, the the crystal globe. Right. Well, let's connect a few points that you've also brought up over the last five or 10 minutes, which is, like you said, these days people consumers are spending more time reading labels. They want to know more of what's in the product. Seems to be increasing interest in the nutritional content there and understanding that and what's really in your food, but also being interested in where it's coming from, um, whether it's locally produced, what part of the world it's coming from. And, and it is, of course, possible to bring all this knowledge and information to consumers through labels and through the technologies we hold in our hands as smartphones, etc. How is Ingredient maybe supporting people's understanding of transparency in food supply chain, where a product goes from farm to table and you're helping to craft foods, but also provide raw materials for and products. Is there a way that ingredient is helping to, I guess, your customers improve transparency of food? What type of food is in its in their products? So we have a couple of um, couple of initiatives in 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 place, and for some of them. I will give you a couple of examples. And one example will be the the non-GMO products that we have in place and the traceability systems that we have in place. So how do we bring this to our manufacturers and also the consumers? We support the claims that our customers will have in in place. You are very right uh, with the technology trends these days. Most likely there will be a QR code at one point and you will go with your phone through the aisles and you can read where the product is coming from, what is the, what is the story behind as, as action behind, the, behind the, the raw materials that we are supplying? As I said, 
non-GMO uh, ingredients, organic ing ingredients, if that's the need from the market. Also the investments that I, I told you about in the plant-based proteins and not only. And how do we produce closer to, to the manufacturing locations? And this is not only to support the sustainability story, but also to address the increasing cost of the foods. So the, the closer mm -hmm. we are to the manufacturing locations, the lower the cost will be for the raw materials. And for the uh, medium term future, uh, we, we will have to see at what technologies we will bring to, to the table to trace the food beside the traditional food safety and, and food defense platforms that we have in place. How else we can we can support the farm to the table story and and how do yeah. we how do we make this happen? But also through through education and as uh, a local ingredient idea lab and also uh, office, we we at Ingredient Canada we are very much involved in the next generation of food scientists. So we have very close relationships with the local uh, universities and colleges. I will give you only a couple of examples: University of Guelph, Niagara College. College, George Brown College. We uh, do support them with trainings for the future uh, food scientists. So we can go and, and be part of the, the chemistry class or the carbohydrate class that they have uh, with the, the colleges and universities. And we talk about the career in science, what it means to be a food scientist and what is next when you go out on the market after you finish your, your studies. So this is another component, almost teaching to a smaller degree than uh, an academic institution, teaching the food scientists what is there on the market and what is our role? How can we educate consumers and manufacturers? So, so it's a, also, I think, a really interesting and encouraging way that in, Ingredients reaching out to essentially grow its business capability on the scientist side and if you will, growing scientists all the way from high school through university that may end up working with ingredient going forward. And you mentioned the future food scientists combining what do you, I certainly have some opinions. I'm curious to hear yours. When you look at what the future food scientists are going to be designing into foods with a perspective that people are reading labels, they want to know what's in their food. They're hoping that there's less chemicals in there, more names that they can pronounce and understand. Do you see those future food scientists reaching more for sort of natural products, you know, natural food stabilizers, these types of things that traditionally I would say are the chemicals in our food that bring great shelf lives, freshness, et cetera, and, and more natural solutions to those types of additives. Yes, and I think it's a hybrid role and that this is where the, the education comes the education piece comes into play because, for example, when we say, and I will take the, the easiest example, modified food starch, any modification that was done for that food starch was done with processing aids that they have been removed at the end of the process. Without modified food starch, we will not be able to supply the entire North America with product with the same mm -hmm. shelf life. For example, you are if you are going to one of the food food service provider. I will not give you names, so I will not uh, um, too, too much advertisement for for some of them. So if you are going to a food service restaurant in Toronto and you have your breakfast, when you go to uh, Timmins or South Susan Marie. Uh, and you want to have the same breakfast at the same type of, uh, of food uh, service restaurant, 
you have the same quality of the products. So without mm -hmm. the modified food starches, it's going to be very hard to make all those savory products, sweet products, uh, baked goods. It's going to be very hard to maintain the quality and also to feed the entire population. So mm -hmm. that's why I'm saying it's a component of understanding how things are done and transferring the understanding to the consumer to understand that a modified food starch is not necessarily, is, is not a bad thing. It's not something that was modified chemical and uh, is going to harm you. It was mm -hmm. done with a certain functionality in mind or with a target for, for, the, for the food product and using the, the right ingredient in the right, the right recipe. So yeah. my expectation from the food scientists, the next generation will be for them to go out and really explain not everything. They won't be able to explain everything. Be transparent about it and, and make people understand why do we do this? I saw mm -hmm. several years ago, probably 10 years ago, a diagram made by somebody in marketing uh, and they were talking about when the corn stopped. So they were talking about if the corn will not exist starting with tomorrow in North America, how many products will be affected and how many, how much supply chain will, will hurt and how many people will suffer. And it's pretty mm -hmm. much everybody from toothpaste to cooking oil, yeah, everything, fuels, yeah. everything, everything. And it, it was an eye opening for me, even after many years in food industry, I didn't realize if you take one component out, how you will disrupt everything. Yeah. Well, and you make another good point in that just because a product has gone through a manufacturing process doesn't necessarily make it bad. And, you know, sometimes, like you said, these are used as marketing levers for various companies and various products. But I really like your point that it's important for the food scientists to help people understand not only what's in your food, but is it really bad for you? This thing that maybe seems like it's a chemical, but it's actually just has that name because it's been actually modified through a very healthy process to produce a certain result in the food that you enjoy. So not everything has to come straight out of the ground into a package and then onto your table. And, and that's a really good point that I think is sometimes not made often enough, especially when we're talking about everything that's uh, non, you know, GMO and organic and natural raw, et cetera. No, definitely. And uh, I, I can give you, give you another example. Uh, well, another two examples, actually, if, if we still have uh, time for, for the examples. If we go out and we, we tell to the consumers that uh, they have to drink, drink H2O, I'm quite sure a couple of people will be very shocked and they will say, no, it sounds chemical. And that, that's water. That's the chemical formula for water. Everything has a chemical formula, right? It's, it's made out of components. And this, this leads me to, to the example that I would like to give you. I had the chance to work with probably my favorite ingredient at Ingredient. It's a soluble fiber. It's called short-chain fructooligosaccharide. It's a very mm. long name. Looks different on the label, especially when you put it uh, on the label, but it's a soluble fiber that um, has been proven to have multiple oh. benefits to the microflora and uh, the gut microflora. So very, mm. very interesting product. Um, it, it's an amazing product to work with. I have formulated a couple of uh, products on different segments for, uh, for different sub-industry and food industry. And this short-chain fructooligosaccharide, it has to be linked with something. So we have to create a story about it. When we put short-chain fructooligosaccharide on the label, people will say, 
consumers will say, okay, that's it. This is not good for me, for sure. But there are a couple of studies in, in the US, they will prove uh, nutritional benefits and also the increase in the immunity response after mm -hmm. you, you will consume the product. So very high fiber, amazing for your gut microflora and amazing product to formulate with. It's almost like we have to create a story like the brewing industry with the craft brewers. The craft mm -hmm. brewers are very successful. One of the reasons is because they created a story behind their beer and people are interested in the story. So to a shorter extent, this is what we have to, to do for the in the food industry. Yeah, and that's, you know, and talking about the, the future food scientists who are going to be creating that, I think the, the company mission um, behind that, and as we see with Ingredient, a lot of that mission is sustainability and you know, improving people's lifestyles. As products are created and formulated with these goals in mind um, versus maybe purely how do we make it taste amazing at the lowest possible cost, these are different design criteria and produce very different results. And it sounds like Ingredient is really responding to a consumer demand for what you're providing, sustainability. And now the challenge is, how do we get over this hurdle of helping people to understand that a manufactured food product can actually be really, really good for them and healthy and nutritious and taste great. And, and that's okay. And, and that's gonna be an important part of getting the marketers together with those future food scientists. What we've experienced in the last couple of years, and this is usually with the consumer side of the market, we, we've talked a lot about e-commerce and, and how that is changing the world. Certainly from ingredient point of view, you're dealing with businesses directly. So those lines of communication maybe haven't changed too much, but I'm curious when you look at these business to business communications and what's happened over the last couple of years in terms of pushing a lot of people to be working at home, more remote interaction, how has that changed the nature of how you're essentially working with your products with the end users? And in your case, the end users are the retailers making products that I as a consumer would eat. Have you seen any significant shifts in these last couple of years because of what we've experienced with the pandemic? Um, yes, and that, that's a very good point. One of the, the shifts that we, we've noted, uh, listening to the consumers, the final consumer's uh, voice, it was the convenience. How do I make things much more easiest for, easier for me as a consumer? And uh, the second will still go uh, towards nutrition. Uh, how do I make sure I, I bring nutritious food at home or I get it, I get it delivered, one, one or the other? I think packaging industry changed a lot and we do have an industrial division that is very active in the, in the packaging industry. And that was another, another trend that we, we've noted. But from the business-to-business -business relationship, there are, I would say, two main components that we saw developing differently. One was the emerging businesses. So everybody who was forced to stay home, most of the people said, oh, I think I have a good recipe. How about I will try to do something? So we did see an increase in the emerging businesses. And we do have interaction with the, the emerging businesses companies. 
we saw them coming to the market very eager to prove themselves and very eager to to be successful and to make a good name on on the market so that was one one component the second component we saw pivoting uh, not only from our side but also from our manufacturer's side pivoting towards the digital technologies mm-hmm. and i can i can give you a couple of examples we we established a digital studio in in our mississauga office so we have enhanced our digital capabilities to do picture in picture to do uh, demos in front of a ca- camera and the con- the manufacturer will see that uh, enhanced image on their screen uh, manufacturers were much more open to let me train my team more let me know what else is new on the market keep me updated with the trends and and uh, how the food industry is evolving and last year it was a, a full year for ingredient where we we took the training to a different new level. So instead of us doing trainings for our customers face-to-face, we were doing the trainings in a digital studio with digital capabilities much more enhanced than than before. Mm -hmm. Without the pandemic, probably we would not have done this so fast. Also the digital capabilities, uh, we have a very passionate team that deals with virtual reality. So we have the capability in case of any troubleshooting at the manufacturing site level to send Mm -hmm. a kit and we will be able to guide the manufacturer step-by-step how to troubleshoot certain areas of the the business. Very, very interesting and very fast development. So this was in a way, uh, this was our first response to the uh, pandemic and we are working mainly from home and everybody's working mainly from home and um, amazing, amazing uh, deployment of forces. Yeah. Well, it's interesting that you commented that you see a lot of new entrepreneurs coming on because they're working from home, have extra time on their hands, don't have jobs because they lost their job. And we see on, if you will, the back end of the food supply chain, which you are central to, you're seeing that increase in entrepreneurs also. And we've certainly had many of them on this program. Um, but it, it sounds like what Ingredion is bringing together is with your platform of in focus on sustainability, the new capabilities with digitization, if you will, of service, um, which where you can bring not only to people sitting in front of you, but all the way around the world, your expertise and your localization of manufacturing it sounds like it's leading to a major shift in how Ingridion does business in contributing to even more sustainability, more localization, but having a global reach without even getting out of your home, possibly. Yes, and, and this can be also seen in the how do we reach out to our global uh, colleagues and, and idea labs across the, the globe, and how do we help And I will give you the example of the mochi ice cream. Five years ago, nobody heard about mochi ice cream on the Canadian market, or at least I I did not. I should not say nobody. Three years ago, it started the shift from, and it came from from United States. Everybody wanted to do mochi ice cream and mochi-based product. We were able to reach out to our colleagues in in Asia Asia and um, also to do the same thing, to reach out for knowledge, experience, expertise, and how do we solve the problem? How do we bring this novelty to the North American market and make it stable on the market and a good product to to have on the market. So very very interesting development. Excellent. Well, it it is really nice to see a lot of good progress happening during these challenging times. 
And I really thank you for being with us today, Mariana. Great to see Ingredion with its focus on sustainability, you know, really accelerating and expanding that mission into the world of our, our food market. And thank you for being with us today. My pleasure. Thank you very much. And uh, thank you for allowing me to share my, my experiences. More than happy to, to chat more with, uh, with another occasion. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to Future Foodcasts. Future Foodcast is powered by Farm to Plate, the leading food blockchain platform. Subscribe on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts to stay up to date with the very latest innovations in the food industry. 